Hey, everybody. Welcome to the You Were Born for This podcast with Father John Ricardo. That's me. I'm Father John. I am the executive director at Acts 29, where we talk about anything and everything that has to do with the transformation of the church and the age in which we're living. And Mary, it's good to see you again. Good to be with you, Father. Happy Pentecost week. Gosh, holy Novena cow. days, I right? Know, this I is know. extraordinary. Hope you had a good Love Ascension this time Thursday in the church. on Sunday. I did. Never quite figure that out. How do we celebrate Ascension Thursday? On a Sunday. On Sunday. Never mind. <laughs> All right. That's another podcast, Yeah, right? what's our topic today? It's going to fit in perfect with this uh, novena that we're in the middle of, right? Yeah, we have a, um, a rather provocative topic today, I think. Um, we're just going to pose the question, like, how comfortable would we be in the first century church? Mm, not very. Mm-hmm. Okay, I answered that one. What's the next question? <laughs> I'm not going to ask another question, but I, I am going to ask you to pray, though, Father, before we that. jump in. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, in these great days, this time in which we not only call to mind uh, that gap between the ascension of your Son and our Lord, but also the outpouring of the Spirit. So we pray for uh, an outpouring of the Spirit upon us, upon the whole church, on the Holy Father, upon all his brother bishops, upon uh, our leaders in the local churches that we belong to, upon all priests and deacons, all laymen and women baptized uh, in the name of your Son. Lord, we just pray for that same fire, courage, joy, enthusiasm, trust, and confidence that filled the early church to fill us now in these days in which you've chosen for us to live. We entrust this time to you now. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Yeah. In, the in the name of the, of the Father, Father, the Son, and the Son, Holy, and the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. So you came across this great quote not too long ago. Why don't you maybe kick it off, uh, kick off this episode with that quote, would you Yeah, mind? I did. And, and we've talked about this a lot. And it's a thought-provoking question for all of us in the church. Um, uh, a man once said this. He said that if the Holy Spirit were withdrawn from the church today... of what we would do would go on and no one would know the difference. If the Holy Spirit had been drawn from the New Testament church, 95% of what they did would stop and everybody would know the difference. Ouch. That's kind of convicting. Yeah, I'm not sure how he came up with 95%, but it's probably pretty darn close if it's not there. Wow. I think that's spot on. Say that one more time. That's worth hearing. Yeah, so so if the Holy Spirit were withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we do would go on and no one would know the difference. But if the Holy Spirit had been withdrawn from the New Testament church, 95% of what they did would stop and everybody would know the difference. I'm thinking immediately of a guy that we know. He's uh, he works in a diocese. <laughs> he, he works, you know, like quote unquote downtown. And he he was just talking to some of the people that he works with. He says, you know what? I think if we just closed up shop and we didn't come to work, it would probably take at least a month for the rest of the diocese to even notice that we're not here, <laughs> right? We do so many things in the church, well intentioned. I mean, I, I, I'm part of the system, you know, like I'm a priest, right? So we do so many things that we've uh, we've kind of just They've become normalized and we do them, but they're not necessarily things that we necessarily should be doing in this age that we're living in right now. And they're not bearing any fruit. And yeah, this quote's really provocative. Yeah, it is. And and more than a little convicting. So it becomes, you know, what you're talking about, I think, Father, is more of this functional approach Mm. to the church rather than it being truly, truly spirit driven. Like you say, we're, we're all doing great things. 
right? But right. oftentimes we're doing it, unfortunately, uh, on our own means, our own strength. So maybe I can reword the question. So you, you, we'd said our topic is how comfortable would we be in the first century mm-hmm. church? Another way to ask this, especially in these novena mm-hmm. days, you know, people talk often about, you know, like there's going to be a new Pentecost. And you and I were at a, an event set of years ago. I remember talking to you and, and a couple others who were with us uh, as we were witnessing some things. And I just said, I don't know that we really want a new Pentecost. So, why do I say that? Because... Um, most of us like things under control. Neat and tidy. Yeah, like it's in a box. Mm-hmm. Where's the formula? Mm-hmm. You know, like what do I do? Just give me the pattern. Tell me the words to say. What, I mean, like clear expectations, mm-hmm. right? And the expectations in the early church, they, they were as simple as this. Do whatever he tells you, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? I mean, that's what Mary says to Jesus, mm-hmm. last words uh, in the Gospel of John that our, our Lady records or is recorded as saying. And they're really applicable to us now with the Holy Spirit, like do whatever he tells you. So we had fun with this just the other day. We had a a little uh, academy of priests and we posed some scenarios. So maybe just to put some images in our mind, refresh our memories of some of the stories we've been reading about in the Acts of the Apostles uh, over these Easter days. We can just ask, we can retell these and then we can just ask ourselves, like, what would we do in that situation, right? So we kind of reword these uh, to kind of put them in more modern times. But so we live in Metro Detroit. Woodward is a major intersection uh, in Detroit. We're not too far from it here. And so I kind of, we pose the scenario. So imagine you come to me, I'm a pastor. You come to me and you say, I got to tell you about this experience. I was standing on the corner of Woodward and 12 Mile. And as I was standing there, this is what you tell me. The spirit said to me, at which point my eyes start to roll. Right? <laughs> so the spirit said to me, he's like, oh, no, you're one of them, right? <laughs> Catch up with that dude on the bike riding down the sidewalk. And so you tell me that, you know, you started running down the street after this guy and his bike. He's got his, you know, ear pods in. And you look at him and, and you somehow are able to communicate over the noise in the ear pods, what are you listening to? And he goes, I'm listening to the, uh, the Bible in a year. And you go, great, what are you listening to right now? He says, I'm listening to this passage in Isaiah, but I don't understand what it's talking about. And so you begin to describe for him that this is about Jesus. And as you're you know, running alongside this guy in his bike on the sidewalk, you, you, you drive by you run by this little pond and he stops and says, Hey, like, I want to get baptized there. Can I get baptized? Mm-hmm. And so like all the churches were closed. Nobody was available. And this guy was, you know, seriously crying for this. And so you baptized him. Well, what I do like that's Philip in the Ethiopian eunuch, right? Absolutely. Now, so Fresh forget the whole, like, well, she doesn't have the authority to baptize. I mean, we're not going into the canonical stuff or the, you know, the ordinary minister of baptism. That's not the point. The point is, how would we respond? Yeah, like someone comes to your office and knocks on your door and says, can I have about 20 minutes of your time? I'm going to tell you about this. And you're going, oh my gosh. Yeah. People, people come into my office and tell stories like, like this. The, and my immediate reaction is you're wacko. Yeah. I mean, I'm just, I'm just leery. Right. And yet here she is, comes or here is, he comes. This really happened. Right. Or, or, or what about the story of like, um, Saul and Ananias, right? So Ananias, you know, they come in to see us one day and they go, we, we got to tell you about what happened. We're like, Okay, what happened? We're all prim, proper, and whatever. And Ananias says, I had this vision of the Lord, and he said to me, this guy's coming to town, 
you know, who he's been killing Christians, but he's coming to town. I want you to meet him. He's going to be staying over in such and such a house. I want you to baptize him. And then Saul starts saying, yeah, and like at the same time this was happening, I see Jesus in a vision and I'm blinded, and then I'm taken by the hand by the people who are with me to this guy's house, and then this guy here, Ananias, he walks in, and he prays with me, and I'm baptized, and I can see, and we're like, yeah. Sure, right. Right. Mm -hmm. I gotta go. Or, Or Peter and Cornelius, right? Acts chapter 10. So Cornelius starts by saying, yeah, I had this uh, an angel of the Lord appeared to me. And, and right away, I'm sitting here going, uh-huh. and how did you know that was an angel <laughs> of the Lord, right? An angel of the Lord appeared to me. And then Peter says, yeah, and, and at the same time this was happening, I'm standing up on the roof one day, and out of nowhere comes this sheet, like this big, giant bed sheet lowered down, and all these animals, animals are inside. Are it. <laughs> it, right? I'm like, okay, where are we going here? And, and then, you know, so he, he's trying to explain what happens. And then the next day he's back up on the roof, and while I'm up on the roof, Peter says to me, so he says, right, hey, uh, I'm up on the roof, and the Spirit said to me, there's three men downstairs, and uh, you're supposed to go with them wherever they take you. And so I go with these three men, and then I start talking about Jesus, and as I'm talking about Jesus, the Holy Spirit fell on everybody, and they all started to speak in tongues, and and so we baptized them. These are normal things in the Acts of the Apostles, right? This is... I don't want to say this is every day in the first century church because Luke's was, giving us a very compressed picture, but this... It was normative yeah, in the early common, church. Right? And I think sometimes, Father John, the challenge is, is even as we're praying with and reading the scriptures, <clears throat> especially over the last set of weeks uh, in the Acts of the Apostles, you often say, you know, we get, um, as a priest, you get comfortable with the magnificent Mm, I get I think used to the magnificent. You get used yeah. to the magnificent. And I think that same principle can also apply to the Word of God, that we read these, these stories over and over and over again, and they lose their punch, their power, their pack. But this is what happened in the early church. Right. Paul, Paul, Paul's it, on his way. He, he, he wants get, to go one place. The Lord blocks him, he says. The and Spirit then he prevented has a, me. Yeah, the Spirit prevented right. me. And then he has a vision of a man saying, hey, would you come over to Macedonia? And Paul's like, I think we should go to Macedonia. So they go to Macedonia, and boom, the church gets into, in, into Europe, right? This is, again, this is normative. So uh, the, the point of breaking all this open right now is that these things really happened. We read them Sunday after Sunday, and the question we want to ask is something like, are they happening to us? Like, are you and I, are we in the church, are we hearing the Spirit talk to us in this way? And do we even want him to? I'm not so sure. I think sometimes if we open ourselves to that possibility that God still speaks today, and of course he does, he's speaking to us all the time, um, it's going to require something more of us. It gets a little messy when we don't have everything all figured out. Oh, it gets so messy. We want five-year plans. Like, we're, we're done with five-year plans. How did your five-year plan work with COVID? You right? know, in whatever industry you're in, whether you were serving in the church or, or you were in the airlines industry right. or the travel industry, right. like, how, how did that work out, right? right. We, we so like to just have everything neat and tidy, but the reality is it's so much more exciting it is. And it to first, just let the Lord lead. So, so, so two thoughts. It's an illusion. 
that that we have any control anyway. No, I mean, we, we've certainly learned that. We've learned that as a country. We've learned it in our personal lives when we go through trials and and whatnot. And and, and the other thing is a story I was sharing with uh, the brothers the other night in the academy. I was listening to an interview with a pastor who had stepped back from his church, hmm. and. Um, he had a plan for what he was going to do when he went abroad in his ministry. And the Spirit prevented him from going back to do a set of things that he wanted to do. And he said, you know, I'm so used to knowing what I'm going to be doing a year from now, three years from now. And he said, I don't know what the Lord has planned for me. And he said, but it, it, I'm not unsettled by it. He goes, in fact, the inverse is, is the case. I have great peace knowing God is leading me in all of this. And I don't have to have all the answers. Right. That's a spirit-led mindset that I think many of us are just really uncomfortable with. Well, we weren't trained for it. We weren't prepared for it. But as we move more and more into this kind of apostolic-like time, right, meaning that the, the era we're living in is more and more um, permeated with a worldview which is either ignorant of or hostile to Christianity mm-hmm. and where we don't have the resources that we used to have. We don't have the the cachet we used to have mm. as the church in the culture at large. We're going to need power, right? We're going to need the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We're going to need the inspiration, the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. And um, just relying on our own intelligence, at least I know in my case, uh, ain't going to okay. cut it, right? So here's a couple questions maybe to think about. So when was the last time you started this? Maybe you're a pastor. Maybe you're a, like you, a director of evangelization and discipleship at a parish, uh, the role that you had before this. When's the last time you started something at the parish at the inspiration of the Holy Spirit? Right? Or are we really comfortable giving the whole agenda to Jesus, right? We've, we've commented many times that in, in the church, oftentimes in our meetings, prayer is an agenda item. Like we just say some quick formal prayer and then we like, quote unquote, get on with the real work. What if the real work was praying and right. our prayer was, Lord, we don't know what to do. Show us what to do. And then we actually took time to listen. And then as brothers and sisters who are collectively praying, listening, you know, like, asking, okay, what did you hear? Let's try to discern what we heard. Right, And absolutely. if we're healthy, then we, we should be able to do that, right? right? And, 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 that's, and that's a key point to, to uh, keep in our minds that discernment's required in all of this, right? Um, one of our uh, essential principles is God is the architect, where, where prayer is, 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 has a place of primacy in this mission. What's required in that is that, um, is asking the question, are we willing, are we open to leaving the familiar behind, right. Every, to, to going into those places um, that we never thought about going, to doing things that we never thought we would do. If the Spirit leads you, if the Father speaks that to your heart, are you willing to leave the familiar behind? So remember, we, we were serving together in a parish, and we had a big meeting with uh, our team at the time, and we were just kind of beginning to to kind of uh, leave what we might call a, a Christendom model of parish life and head into more apostolic model when we were going through all sorts of things like team building and throwing out plans. And it wasn't to be chaotic, right? I mean, the spirit isn't a spirit of chaos and disorder. It was really just to give everything to God and say, we don't really know what to do, but we're not nervous. Mm-hmm. So we trust that you will make it known, mm-hmm. right? So it's not about, well, I don't know. I don't have any plans here. Um, and we're just going to continually, you know, uh, fly by the seat of our pants. That's not what we were about. It was, it was more about 
let's give the permission back to God to lead us. And I can remember we were standing there, uh, we were sitting in the, in the room where we were all meeting, and I got up at one point and I says, guys, all I know is this. It's like we've just crossed a threshold mm-hmm. and we've left something behind. And I, I can't tell you that I know what's ahead of us because I, I don't, you know. So all I know is we have gotten to where we are by praying together, by discerning together, by mm-hmm. arguing passionately mm-hmm. together, by listening to the Lord's direction. It wasn't like I just sat down with everybody and said, this is what we're going to do and you're going to come with me. Like we had enough people who could push back and say, are you pretty sure this is what mm-hmm. God's asking? Right. And so we were leaving the familiar behind And I can remember looking at you and everybody saying, I don't know what's up ahead, but I do know who's leading us. And because he's leading us, we don't have anything to be afraid of. And in fact, it's actually really exciting. It was exciting. And and, and, and to your point, you created space for the spirit to move. Uh, We We just moved a lot of stuff out of the way and said, okay, Lord, we're handing this over to you. Show us, show us what the next thing you're asking us to do. Yep, and, it, and, and because God wants this more than we do, I probably went across the levels on the uh, microphones, I'm sure, <laughs> but God wants this more than we do. We gotta be convinced of that, right? Like he wants his world back. You know, it's not about us having some good metrics in the church. Like God sent his son to accomplish his desire, which is to gather into one all of his children. So we need to act with confidence, right? So the whole Easter season has been about trying to focus on what it is that Jesus has done for us, that he's defeated the dark powers, he's bound the strong man, he's assailed him. He's the one who's calling us. And now as we draw into Pentecost, now it's like, okay, Lord, you promised that the Spirit would come and he would animate us and he would lead us and he would, he would show us what to do. We need him now. We need him. So come, Holy Spirit, and fall upon the leaders of the church. Fall upon all the baptized. You know, like, give us, like I always say, the ears of Dumbo. Some of us are too young to know who Dumbo was, but look him up. So I need big ears because I don't hear very well. And then give me the discipline to make time every day. And give us as a staff or a team, whether we're in a diocese or a parish or a family, to be disciplined, to listen to you every day, and then to sit around and talk like, what are you hearing? Mm -hmm. What do you think the Lord's asking of us to do? Because when he's guiding us, it's extraordinary. Mm -hmm. Remember that quote from Consula Mesa, the church is not a rowboat propelled by the arms of the people in the boat, right? She's a sailboat. Yeah, she's a sailboat. Most people in the church I know, me in the church when I was serving in the parish, like my arms (laughs) were just in knots. I felt like we were rowing, Mm -hmm. right? And at a certain point, we made a decision like hoist the sail, matey. You know, (laughs) just let the spirit flow. And then boom, we're like tic-tacking across the lake. And it was just extraordinary, right? And that's the that's the plea right now in this in this week as we head into as we head into Pentecost. Go back and read those passages in Acts again where these things happen. Go look at Saul and Ananias and their encounter and note how it describes. Go read Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Go read Peter and Cornelius. Go read Paul and the Macedonian man. Look at Peter and John healing the, the lame man. And and just see, okay, this was normative in the first century. How normative is it in my life, in our Sorry. parish, in our diocese? And then let's just collectively play this, pray this week. Holy Spirit, make this normative again. Yeah, as it just story after story, it was testimony after testimony after testimony of what the Spirit was doing. 
And God wants to do, he wants us to have a testimony to what the Spirit is doing in our lives. Yeah, so that we're not right. just reading about what used to happen right. then. It can happen We're talking now. about what's happening right now. So I'll give maybe one last story. Father. Here's a story of how the Spirit spoke. We didn't listen or I didn't listen. And then he spoke and we listened and we acted. Said a weeks ago, we were um, on mission in a diocese. We were working with a bunch of priests. And uh, I remember we were talking. We, we'd been listening and hearing conversations from some of the priests Things were getting surfaced mm-hmm. right in those conversations, even though unbeknownst to them, they were all saying similar things to us. We were talking about how we were going to conclude the time together. I felt pretty convicted that that I was supposed to make something known. So it, it, the way I would say it in the Acts of the Apostles language is the Spirit was saying to me, reveal this so that I can do something about it. I didn't, I didn't reveal it. I didn't say anything. I didn't do anything. And I left there feeling um, like a failure, quite honestly, like that something had been made known that God wanted to expose so that he could address and begin to heal. We didn't act on it. Then uh, a couple weeks later, similar situation, right? Because most presbyters are going through the same thing because most of us priests are going through the same stuff. So, you know, there's lots of division sometimes and fear and suspicion and there's hurt and there's need for reconciliation and repentance and forgiveness and all that kind of stuff. Something again got surfaced. And this time I'm like, uh-uh, we're, we're going to act on this. And we acted on it, and the Spirit moved and began to mm-hmm. do tremendous, there's lots more to do, but began to do tremendous healing, reconciliation, uh, repentance. It was remarkable. Just fruits mm-hmm. that clearly God mm-hmm. had done something here because, mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but I don't like repenting out loud. And so uh, that, that's one of the things that is a pretty sure sign that the Holy Spirit's mm-hmm. at work. We, we tend not to own our mistakes right. very well. Right. Uh, so... All these things were happening. So this week, let's let's pray for the universal church. Let's pray for the leaders of the church. Let's pray for us in our own ministries that we will be attentive to God's voice, that we'll hear him, that we'll act on what he's asking us to do. And let's pray that the Holy Spirit will fall in power mm. upon us individually and as a body so that God's desire might be accomplished. Amen. And his children might be gathered into one. And people would look at us like they looked at the early church and go, are you guys drunk? <laughs> and we're like... Nope. It's way too early for drinking. <laughs> I love Peter's answer. It's like, no, we drink, but we don't drink mm. at nine in the morning, you know, and we don't get drunk either. But we, uh, mm. but I want, we want people to be provoked and we want people to be provoked because only God could enable to happen what they see happening. Amen. And that was one of the many things which drew people to the early church, and it's going to be one of the many things that draw people to the church now. Amen. So, so let's not squelch the spirit. Do not squelch the spirit. And in the meantime... Do not be afraid. God is with you. And you were born for this. 